The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The horses are at the gate. And they're off! Welcome to Winning Ponies. With a weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Engelhart, racing's regular guy. And thank you for joining us for another edition of Winning Ponies. As my friend Dave Johnston would say, and down the stretch we come. We're getting closer and closer to that first weekend in May with the Oaks and the Derby. Had some great races last week. We've got a big one coming up on Saturday, and I brought out two powerhouse guests to join us here on Winning Ponies. Uh, First out of the gate will be the one and only Jay Privman, you've seen him on TV, Uh, you read him weekly in the daily racing form. I hope you read his book, The Breeders' Cup Thoroughbred Racing's Championship Day. It is a fantastic read and has some great photos, and if you know me, I like books with lots of photos in them. And then on the handicapping front, we're going to bring in a guy that breaks down the handicapping every week in the daily racing form, and that's Byron King. He's a native of Louisville, so we're in the right area to get some of the top picks and some of the top races uh, this week. Uh, interestingly enough, there's uh, we're going to do four grade one races starting with Friday. There's two grade ones on Friday uh, at Keeneland. It's the Makers 46 Mile, and at Oaklawn, it's the Apple Blossom Handicap, a great rematch of the Azari, where untappable last year's almost undefeated champion was beaten by gold medal dancer. They're going to be going in the gate together tomorrow at Oaklawn. That'll be a great rematch. And then on Saturday at Oaklawn, of course, it's the Arkansas Derby. Will the real American Pharaoh stand up? We'll see what competition he's going to be facing in there. And then, uh, at Keeneland, it's the grade one Jenny Wiley. So four grade ones we're going to be handicapping with Byron King. And when it's time to go handicap and make sure you get to winningponies.com, we had some huge payoffs this week. And, again, it's pretty much from coast to coast. I'll start down south at Gulfstream on April 4th. Had a 20-cent pick six that paid over 15 thousand dollars and then let's head west young man sam houston was good for a 50 cent super high five that paid over thirteen thousand dollars certainly well worth the investment so plenty of wins at sam houston and Gulfstream. i had at least two more big hits i want to mention other tracks that you may like to play at los alamitos we had a two dollar pick six that paid over two thousand dollars and down at tampa bay we had a one dollar super five key that paid $1,939. So get your easy win fig forms and you'll be off to the races. Okay, well, speaking of being off to the races, uh, we had some big races impact the uh, leaderboard for the Kentucky Derby last week. And then a lot of horses that already had their money, or shall I say points, in the bank. 
Let's run down the top ten, okay? In the Derby, leading by one point is international star over Dortmund. In third spot is Carpe Diem. Then comes Frosted. Then the Irish bred Moutabarge. And then the upstart, Materiality. El Kabir is in the seventh spot. Upstart in the eighth. American Pharaoh is in the ninth, and he will be performing this weekend. So we're going to see what's going to happen there. And uh, in the tenth spot is... It's a knockout. Sad to say, a horse that was going to be in the 11th spot, Dubai Sky, winner of the Spiral Stakes, is going to be out for the season. That's too bad. I really thought that that was a horse that had a lot of upside. I want to see if he was going to be able to transfer his synthetic form to the dirt. As far as the girls are concerned, uh, Condo Commando and Ama Chatterbox tied at the top in first and second. Then you've got Stellar Wind, Bird at the Wire, Lovely Maria, who was lovely last weekend, Include Betty, Ocean Wave, Angela Renee, Saracis, and Maybelline are the top point getters for the Oaks. So again, uh, I think you can pretty much count on those all being there, barring any uh, illness or or sickness, Uh, and uh, we hope to see them in the gate. So that's a look at the leaderboard for the Derby and the Oaks. Excuse me, my voice cracks a little bit. Uh, Spring has sprung, and so has some kind of pollen that just loves to get into my sinuses. Well, one horse we won't be seeing that probably could have got into the Derby is Prospect Park. Uh, He put in a dull race in the Santa Anita Derby last Saturday, and he was found to have a high white blood cell count for trainer Cliff Cease Jr. So uh, those that uh, had him in the early book, sorry about your luck, Prospect Park is out. Well, uh, let's take a look at what the experts feel are the top horses. The top thoroughbred pole and TRA on top. Shared belief, second spot, California Chrome, third, main sequence, fourth, honor code, and fifth, constitution. And if you're just looking at the three-year-olds, the vote getter at the top was Dortmund, Second, American Pharaoh, who could launch himself to the front with a big win at Oaklawn on Saturday. Then you've got Carpe Diem, International Star, the horse that swept the Louisiana series. And then Materiality, big question mark horse. We don't know enough about him, but he's undefeated now and a graded stakes winner. So it'll be very, very interesting. Well, I went down to Keeneland over the weekend and... uh, Glad I passed on Friday, I believe it was the first time in the history of the story track, they actually canceled the card midway through live racing. Uh, so Saturday came, and unbelievable, it was a fast track. And uh, the Ashland Stakes uh, came up just before the uh, the Bluegrass Stakes, and uh jockey of the week is going to be Kerwin Clark, who won the grade one Ashland, uh, certainly deservedly so. Uh, luckily, I was close to the action. And when he came back, I thought he was just wiping some dirt off his face, and it was actually tears of joy. It was his first grade one victory. Now, Kerwin Clark 
has been around a long time. And uh, it was just really heartwarming to see Larry Jones uh, greet him and bring him into the winner's circle. Uh, Kerwin Clark is 55 years old. A lot of you may know him as Boo Boo. He was named by his grandfather. Um, started out at Evangeline. Uh, then he went to the Nebraska circuit. Won his first stakes race back in 1977, but this was his first grade one stakes race. It was very moving, so congratulations uh, to Kerwin Clark. Uh, some sad news is Conquest Two-Step, uh, winner of the grade two Palos Verde stakes uh, at the end of January, was euthanized Monday because of complications after surgery uh, to repair a broken bone in his left hind leg. Uh, very significant injury, and they had to say the, the colt that they nicknamed Guacamole had to be put down. Uh, had a three, five, and two record from career starts with over three hundred thirty-nine thousand dollars in earnings. So um, our feelings go out to the connections of Conquest Two Step. Uh, we did have a uh, graded stakes race today, and it was Alspid in the Count Fleet, getting the job done. I believe he ran second in this race last time. Uh, so the, the now six-year-old gelding, it was his first graded stakes victory. That just happened a few hours ago down at Oak Lawn Park. Uh, he was there with the favorite Ivan Fallen Awful Lot. I love that name, Ivan Fallen Awful Lot. Um, those two battled into the stretch, but he got it done with Chris Landeros in the saddle. And uh, let's take a look at some of the um, graded stake standings. Of course, Sire Tappet just continues to dominate uh, a horse who doubled his stakes fee last, I mean, his breeding fee last year. Now you can get to him for $300,000 if you've got it sitting around. Uh, so the, with Frosted winning the Wood Memorial, Tappet moved into first, uh, his fifth graded stakes winner of of this season already, as young as it is. So uh, the uh, the current uh, owners of graded stakes winners are, are tied between Ken and Sarah Ramsey and Jerry Hollendorfer and his partners. Uh, again, Tappet tops Giants Causeway and Medaglia Dioro, who are tied with four. Tappet, of course, has five. And trainer, no surprise here, uh, Todd Pletcher, has the uh, the top spot with nine over Bob Baffert. So uh, no surprise there. Those are the top graded uh, graded folks out there in the country right now. Let's go back now and take a look at uh, the races that we handicapped last week. <coughs> of course, the the Ashland Stakes that I mentioned earlier. It was a lovely Maria. Uh, Larry Jones has two of them in the top. Six in the Kentucky Oaks now. Lovely Maria, uh, one by three and a quarter. Very impressive. And hope to see Kerwin Clark in the saddle in, in the Kentucky Oaks. In the second spot was Angela Renee, who will probably be in the gate for the Kentucky Oaks. And then uh, Silver Pockets Full uh, was the three-year-old filly who was third. Again, that was that was at Keelan on Saturday. The sun came out. It was beautiful. You never would have known uh, that it had rained the day before. The uh, drainage system that they kept after they took away the synthetic remained, and it worked fantastic. In the bluegrass, no surprise here at all. The race was for place. Carpe diem with Johnny V in the saddle. 
drew away by three lengths. Ocho, Ocho, Ocho was the speed. Hung in there pretty good to the quarter pole, but then... Uh, it was no doubt about it when uh, Johnny V smooched to Carpe Diem. He spent the rest of the time looking over his shoulder. Uh, Ocho, 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 hang around to finish third. And it was Danzig Moon who finished in the second spot. Uh, then uh, we went out to, to uh, Santa Anita. Whew, can't wait to talk to Jay Privet about this one. Unbelievable Dortmund goes wire to wire by four and a quarter lengths. They could not keep up with this beast. He is now six for six. And as I understand it, he kind of bobbled a little bit. It was mentioned as he came out of the gate. Turns out he actually had thrown a shoe and still put in such an impressive performance. Bob Baffert, almost his own worst enemy. This one lucky Dane looks like uh, he's a colt with, with an upside to him. And the third spot was Bolo. And then over on the other coast, it was Frosted making an impressive move in the Wood Memorial. That was last on the first turn. Someplace he's never Never been his whole career and ended up winning going away. In in the second spot was Tensendor, if I'm saying that correctly. And in the third spot, the highly regarded El Kabir. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if he makes the trip to Louisville. Um, he hasn't put in too many bad races, that's for sure. But uh, he hasn't finished uh, uh, worse than second since the Nashua Stakes at Aqueduct November 14th. So that was a look at uh, last week's action. And again, we'll be uh, picking the brain of Jay Privman to see uh, his, his impressions. Uh, I hope that uh, every week uh, you, you go online or pick up a form and watch or read Derby Watch with Jay and uh, Mike Watchmaker. Uh, it's one of the more entertaining and informative uh, segments of the racing news that's out there. So that's a look at this week's national news. We're going to take a little bit of a break, and we come back, we're going to have one of my favorite guests on Winning Ponies, Jay Privman from the Daily Racing Forum. You're listening to Winning Ponies. The opening kickoff is a beauty. It's a fly ball deep right field. That goes O'Neill. He's at the shot. School to the pros, we, we cover everything. Let your voice be heard. Voice America Sports. And they're off. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Your internet flagship station for sports. Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. 
Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and back with me, one of my favorite guests here on Winning Ponies, one of my favorite people in racing, quite frankly. Uh, he's so intelligent. He has such a smooth delivery, uh, whether on television or on some of his DRF videos that uh, come up uh, so often. Jay Privman, uh, he basically covers the Southern California circuit, but uh, he also has an eye towards all the national events. And uh, for years, I've been uh, reading his tete-a-tete with Mike Watchmaker on Derby Watch and and uh, now, as we progress forward, uh, you get to watch those two guys on video every week. So, uh, not going any further. Jay Privman, how are you? Good, John. Good to talk to you. You know, uh, I used to always enjoy, it was almost like a comedy skit, uh, reading you and Mike in your derby watch in the form uh, between the, the comments you guys would have back and forth. But I have to admit, in watching this week's show, on DRF, which I encourage our listeners uh, to do, I never saw you guys in more agreement in my whole life. Yeah, well, he's finally come around to seeing things my way. I mean, you know, <laughs> he, was, he was big on Daredevil, and I wasn't. And, you know, he finally saw the light after the Wood Memorial. So, you know, eventually they all come around, John, um, <laughs> even Mike. <laughs> that is funny because no, a lot of times I, it may be for fun or it may just be the New Yorker in them. Uh, the antagonistic side seems to seems to come out, but uh, but what can I say? That that that's Mike, and that's kind of the tennis match you guys have been playing for years. No, we enjoy it. I mean, we get along really well, and it's it's fun. But you're right. I mean, we we are in agreement on a lot of uh, things regarding this year's Kentucky Derby. I mean, both of us have been extremely high on Dortmund for many, many months now, and he hasn't disappointed us in any of his subsequent races, and, you know, we've had him and American Pharaoh both highly ranked all the time, as as well as Upstart. I mean, they were like our, our top three ranked horses from the get-go, and they've all continued to progress pretty well this winter, so uh, it's been it's a good group of horses. I'm really excited about this year's Derby. Well, I am too, and I want to paint with a little bit of a broad brush before we get into some specific races, and I'm going to jump back a whole other week and try to get your read on a horse who, it just seems like he could be any kind, we don't know yet, and that is out of the Todd Pletcher barn, Materiality, who was pretty impressive in the Florida Derby for a horse that was only making his third lifetime start. I agree. I mean, it's, he's come a long way in a short amount of time, and to hold off upstart like he did in that race was extremely impressive, and the fire speed figure came back very strong. It's just that he's got a lot of hills to climb. It, it's very hard to go from an unstarted maiden to the derby winner in less than, uh, less than four months, which is what a horse who's never raced a two is asked to do. And uh, I think it's, he's going to have to be an extremely special horse to, to pull it off. I think he's a very good horse, but he will not be my Kentucky Derby pick if the field uh, stays intact as, as currently, uh, 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 you know, if the horses that look like they're all supposed to run do run. Well, um, again, yeah, Fleet Alex has, has been uh, pretty pretty hot of late. Uh, he's the son of his. He, he's, physically, he, he reminded me a lot 
of, uh, of Carpe Diem. I mean, right now, Materiality's ranked uh, sixth in the Derby points. Uh, Pletcher's loaded. Uh, I wonder what it's like to be in uh, Angel Cadero slash Johnny V shoes as far as uh, who they're going to choose between uh, the strong Pletcher group they could have. No, it's a tough choice. You've got Materiality and Carpe Diem. He's been riding both of them. and I think he'll try and wait as long as possible to make a decision because if if God forbid you commit to one and then that horse ends up having a a hiccup and misses the race and meanwhile the other mounts and secured by somebody else it would be a would be a pretty tough blow so I'm sure they're going to try and wait as long as possible to to make a decision but it's uh, it's a good choice to have I mean it's, at least you're well again between. going back two weeks ago we also had uh, the Louisiana Derby and a horse I don't know if he's just a horse for a course or. Uh, he's the son of Fuseyache Pegasus that's uh, getting right at the right time, and that's International Star. What's your read on this colt? I think he's a nice horse. He's obviously very hard trying. Uh, I think the competition that he's been running against in his last couple preps there is, is inferior to what it looks like he's going to have to tackle in the Kentucky Derby. So I admire the tenacity that horse has and his will to win, but he's going to, I think, need to step it up a level to to, to be a, uh, a win candidate in the Kentucky Derby. Now, a horse that hasn't raced for three or four weeks that I know you've had a chance to see that had a bang-up race when he didn't have to get in the gate against Dortmund was Firing Line. What's your line on him? I, I like that horse a lot. I mean, he barely got beat by Dortmund uh, in the Robert Lewis stakes, and then he went to Sunland, and he obviously ran against vastly interior competition there, and he crushed him in that race, but... You know, I think if you go back to his previous race against Dortmund, to, to be beaten in a photo finish by him and be 21 lengths in front of the rest of the field shows the kind of quality that he has. I don't really mind him having the, the, the time off between races like they're giving him. It obviously works for him. I mean, every horse is different, but you could tell by the time off that he had from the Los Alamitos Futurity to the Robert Lewis, he ran a, a terrific race and barely got beat by Dortmund. He had another lengthy six-week break into the Sunland Park race and ran giant, and now he's going to have six more weeks to the Kentucky Derby. I mean, for him, it works. And so I would not overlook that horse at all. No, I mean, this is, for, for me, Jay, one of the more exciting years. A lot of times you got two or three at the top, but you've easily got a half a dozen horses here or more. That, that have a legitimate shot. But I have to admit, from what I've seen so far, and correct me if you're an out of like mine, I, the strength seems to be on the West Coast. Oh, for sure. I mean, I've been writing that for months. I mean, the, the, the quality of the horses out here is extremely deep, and we haven't even mentioned the horse who might be the best of the ones that's been training out here, American Pharaoh, who runs on Saturday in the Arkansas Derby. So I, I, I think the, the quality of the horses out here is very, very good this year. Well, uh, speaking of uh, American Pharaoh, uh, do you think that this is just a case where, uh, just like uh, Pletcher has the same problem, if you want to call that that, that Baffert's got to kind of keep his superstars separated from each other until that first Saturday of May? Well, you, you obviously want to do that if you can. And, and in this specific case, it was really by, almost by necessity because by the time American Pharaoh was ready to race after having uh, an injury the week of the Breeders' Cup and needing some time off and then going back and training. By the time he was ready to run, he was, he was kind of ready for when the Rebel was, was hit. And it just made sense for him to go there and to not run at Santa Anita and to jam him into a race maybe a week earlier like the, 
uh, like the San Felipe, and of course they did have Dortmund for the San Felipe. So it all kind of worked out. It probably helped him to have the extra week leading up to the Rebel anyway. And then after that race, it just made sense for him to come back in three weeks in the Arkansas Derby as opposed to come back at the Santa Anita Derby and, and have to run against Dortmund, perhaps. So, uh, or, or four weeks, I guess it would be, into the Arkansas Derby. But regardless, it just made sense in terms of the timing for when he was ready to run for him to go to Arkansas. And Baffert's done very well shipping horses to Arkansas over the years and having them go on and, and perform well in, in the Kentucky Derby. So uh, I just think it made sense for those horses to end up where they did. Uh, absolutely. And uh, when, when you look at American Pharaoh, too, now that he is back on the road, again, this horse has only uh, lost his uh, main race, and, and since then there's been nothing but a, a graded stakes winner. I don't know if you saw the work or not, but he looked pretty impressive a week ago at Santa Anita, uh, working a one eleven and 3 that I think is a nice distance work that's going to put a bottom on him. You know, I was there. I reported on it for the paper. So, yeah, I, I did see the work, and I was very impressed with it. Now, was Victor Espinosa up for the work? No, he never works him. Mar- Martin Garcia, as I reported, worked him, as he always does, and Espinosa just rides him in the race. Well, I'm, I'm sure that there's thousands of trainer that, trainers that would like to have the problems that, uh, that Baffert and Pletcher have and keeping their owners happy and uh, keeping their horses apart from, from, from beating one another. Um, I, I know that, uh, that you and Mike this week uh, on your Derby Watch uh, did uh, talk about uh, the Wood Memorial, and both of you seem pretty uh, impressed with the run that was put in by Frosted. Yeah, you know, John, I, I didn't know what to make him about after the Fountain of Youth because it was such a weird race. I mean, he looked like he couldn't lose at the quarter pole, and they just fell apart. Obviously, there were things that they did to try and correct that, uh, most notably, I think, having uh, a minor throat surgery. But regardless, I thought his race in the wood was terrific. I mean, it was, to me, the best race he's ever run, and they took him back and made one run with him, and he finished up well, and it was in good time, got a strong buyer speed figure, so... To me, off that race, he's a major player for the Derby. I, I thought his race was very good. And, you know, if, if he hadn't fallen apart like he did in the Fountain of Youth, he would have been considered one of the elite Derby candidates because he looked like he was going to win that race. Uh, and, then, and then when he fell apart in that race and finished fourth, he, the, the shine came off a little bit. But for me, at least, it, it's certainly back on. I, I liked his race a lot last Saturday. Uh, really, absolutely. And uh, <clears throat> couldn't be hotter right now as far as, uh, you know, I haven't done uh, uh, out of a deputy minister mayor by Tappet. Tappet's just on fire. I think he's already had five graded stakes winners uh, this year. Um, trying to think, uh, to get your read on Carpe Diem and what I feel was a public workout down at Keeneland. Yeah, it was. I mean, it looked like he was running against inferior competition. And I mean, as far as five-eighths from the wire, John Velasquez was starting to look around and measure his rivals. I'm, I'm sure the idea was, of course, to win the race, but to not have to get to the bottom of him. It was a means to an end. It was his second start of the year, and the, the next race will be the biggest one, the Kentucky Derby. And to me, it looked like they accomplished what they wanted to, get a win into him, but not have to beat him up to do it. Now you've got four weeks to prepare for the Kentucky Derby. So in terms of his preparation, it looks like it, it could not have been more ideal. Well, as, as long as you've been following uh, the Kentucky Derby and, and writing about racing, uh, ha- have you seen a, a crop with as much parity as this group? Well, I mean, I've seen some with parity, but sometimes it's because they're all bad. Um, you know, 
I mean, really, parity means they're on an even level, and so I mean, <laughs> right. they're on an even level, but not very good. But this is this definitely looks like a group that, at least at the top, is is fairly evenly matched, but is also very very good. And it's, to me, it's analogous to kind of the year when Street Sense won the Derby, and you had horses like Hard Spun and Curlin and Any Given Saturday, who were all very good three year olds uh, that year. I mean, that was probably the last time I think we had a crop that, at least at the very top, was of similar quality. Well, uh, Jay, we're, we're closing in on the Derby. What do the uh, next couple of weeks uh, have on the calendar for you personally as you get to the Derby? Well, just this weekend's the last weekend of the races, the Derby prep races that offer points towards the Derby. So once we get through sorting out these races, then it's just kind of a countdown to see who stays in and who comes out, who who thinks the maybe better of it if you're a, a, a lower-ranked kind of horse. And the points list will come into play in terms of who gets into those final spots. And it'll just be sort of covering the in the, the comings and goings from on that front. And then I'll get back to Kentucky about nine days before the race. And then a lot of the reporting then will be on site. It'll be very focused on how horses look in the morning and who's training well and certainly the final workouts will be well chronicled by uh by us so that that's kind of the, the timetable over the next couple of weeks well before i let you go jay i know that i'm putting you on the spot but let's put you in a time machine it's uh it's 12 minutes to post everybody looks good in the kentucky derby i'm handing you 100 bucks and say jay put this to win on any horse that you like who would you be putting your money on I'm not going to do that, John, because I, I have to watch the horse. I'm not trying to be coy, but I mean I need to watch the horses train. You have no idea what post they're going to draw. You don't know who all is going to be in there and what kind of speed there might be or how the pace shapes up. So I, I would never, I've never done that, and uh, even for a guy I like as much as you, I still won't do it. I, I, I don't want, no, I don't, I don't want to pick a horse now and then get back there and in two and a half weeks go, you know, I wish I hadn't said I like X, and it turns out I, I like Y. So I'm, Absolutely, I'm gonna, I, 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 I totally that understand, and that's that that's classic Jay Privet, who, who's a class guy, a straight shooter, and also you, you're educating our, our listeners in the fact that there's so much that can happen in the next couple of weeks, and like you said, anything from post position to, to track condition to uh, you know how how they take to the surface at Churchill that can affect uh, your final decision on Derby Day. I mean, what if I tell you like, right now I like American Pharaoh when he goes out Saturday and lays an egg? I mean, I don't expect <laughs> you know, I, I certainly wouldn't want to be wed to a, a horse who ends up you know, missing the race in a hypothetical situation like that. So uh, I'm perfectly happy to wait till they draw the race on Wednesday at Derby Week to decide on my final selection. Very fair. Well, I hope to see you, uh, you know, scuffing boots on the backstretch at Churchill Downs the week before the Derby, Jay. I'm sure we'll see you back there. It'll be a good time. All right, take care. We've been talking with Jay Privman from the Daily Racing Forum, and we're going to take a little bit of a break, and when we come back, we're going to be talking to one of his uh, contemporaries. This guy's a bluegrass guy himself, Byron King from the Daily Racing Forum. Quick break. We'll be back on Winning Ponies. The fans now have a voice to speak their mind. No holds barred. They need a bitch's ass and then move oh, on. I just, I just think that the coach made a mistake. Oh, crazy. <laughs> NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL. Speak up. Speak up. Or forever hold your mouth. We ain't playing around here. Voice America Sports. 
And they're off! What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right. Well, two of my favorite people from the forum and in racing just had Jay Priven on. Now I've got Byron King. As I told you earlier, he's a, he's a Louisville native. He's one of the many graduates of the University of Arizona Racetrack Industry Program uh, that we've had on the show. You may recall him on television years back at Sam Houston Race Park. He was the paddock host. And, uh, but now he's kind of pretty much focused on Kentucky. So for this show, he's a good man to have on this time of year. Got to spend some time with him in the Keeneland Press Box over the weekend. So with no further ado, Byron King, how are you, Coach? I'm <laughs> Coach. <laughs> yeah, John is referencing there for your, for your, your loyal listeners who perhaps <clears throat> might not have caught our updates over the years when I was coaching the the equivalent of the bad news bears of basketball um <laughs> yes so uh hence my name coach but yeah we can call lucas coach why not me right so um, absolutely but, absolutely uh, yeah that um, was uh but let me tell well, you the best years with my sons but we're on the hardwood <laughs> <laughs> so how are you john I'm doing good, you know. I we just had Jay Privman on the show, and um, as I was kind of painting with a broad brush, this is a really exciting season uh, as far as these uh, the, the three-year-old boys, and I guess you could say to some extent the girls. But you know, most people are looking a little bit more towards the the, the male races uh, leading up to America's most iconic race, the world's most iconic race, the Kentucky Derby. And uh, these are exciting times. This is an exciting year. Uh, let, me get you, let me get your read on it with, with a broad brush from, from coast to coast. Well, I do. I, I think this is a good field. Uh, I, I really do. And I think that, yeah, let me knock. I have a glass table in front of me, so I can't knock wood, but... But I'm going to knock glass that that they hold up here. There's inevitably going to be some defections in the the weeks to come. There were some today, uh, or one or two today. But you know, but not uh, not the the major major contenders thus far. And uh, you know, when I sit and I look at, gosh, Dortmund's a heck of a horse. Just uh, obviously, American Pharaoh hasn't done anything wrong. You know, you've got Materiality, who's three for three. You know, you've got really good horses like um, that. That there, and then that next tier, Frosted and an Upstart and International Star. You've got the 
uh, UAE Derby winner from Dubai coming over. I mean, you got, I think you've got some really good horses in this race this year, and thus far we've been pretty fortunate that not too many have, um, you know, have bowed out due to major injuries of, of, or, you know, obviously last year we had shared belief, you know, you think of, um, obviously, California Chrome was fantastic in the in the Kentucky Derby, but you know you think about oh, wouldn't it have been nice if Shared Belief were in there? Of course, he might not be the horse he is now if they hadn't given him his proper time. But you know, there's there's a lot of luck required with horses' health to make a race like the Kentucky uh, to make the Kentucky Derby. I mean, it's. Um, you know, they, I think there's a great quote from the late great um, um, Hall of Famer Bobby Frankel that there's really only two races that you can't, you know, that are, aren't replaceable in terms of if you miss it because of injury or sickness or something, and that's the Kentucky Derby and the Breeders' Cup races. You know, everything else, you know, you want to run in a $100,000 stake, well, there's one of them in two weeks, you know? So, but... Right. Uh, Derby, everything's got to go right, you know. Well, you know, uh, we've heard the term the curse of Apollo, and that is horses that uh, did not race at two that can't win the Kentucky Derby. Uh, it's too bad that materiality didn't break his maiden uh, 12 days before he actually did, or he wouldn't have that curse hanging over his head, as will be pointed out in the weeks ahead. Yeah, you know... Uh... <laughs> Uh, I, I personally, uh, I, well, let me say this first of all. I am not the world's greatest uh, Kentucky Derby handicapper. I will be strictly honest with you. This is a race. You're not. That That's I why I had you on the show. With. You're kidding me. I have struggled with this over the years, but I'm man enough to admit it. You know, I mean, there's some races <laughs> that are that you just. I mean, when I was a kid. I was nailing these things year in, year out, and I knew nothing about it. When I'm, you know, I'm talking ten years old, you know, and you're picking names and you're saying I'm picking swale and picking this and that, and you know, the more I learned about it, the worse I did. You know, it, it's a hard, hard race, and then there's all these goofball systems that uh, people come up with, and no disrespect to anybody that happens to like these systems, but. I mean, for example, um, I, you know, I, I like to tell this story. When I was in college, a friend of mine wanted to bet strike the gold in the Kentucky Derby. And, you know, he uh, uh, trained by Nick Zito. And, of course, for those that remember, he won the race. But he did not qualify on the dosage system. He had a number right. over 4.0. And I said, oh, my friend, I forget what he sent. He sent 10 or 20 bucks to bet on the thing. It was before the days of simulcasting. And... I said, it's never going to win. It doesn't have the right dosage. I'm just going to keep his buck, his dollars, you know. So then I had to pay him. I booked his bet, and I had to pay him. And it was awful. And I, I learned a valuable lesson that day, and that is, you know, these rules and things like that will one day be broken. Um, there is some logic to this rule in terms of naturally and experienced horse is going to have a better chance in a race like the Derby than an inexperienced one. But as you noted, I mean, you know, if this horse had been born 12 days earlier, I mean, he'd be fine, right? I mean, what does that mean exactly? To me, it's just a lot of 
There are more unnecessary statistics kept for the Kentucky Derby than just about any other horse race. And, you know, you <laughs> could come up with just about every angle why every horse could possibly lose. Um, materiality, in my personal opinion, is a very, very, very good horse. I thought he withstood a very long taxing battle with upstart in the Florida Derby. He ran, I think it was a 110 buyer speed figure. He he did it, pulled away at the end. He has tactical speed. Um, you know, a bigger concern for me would be simply the fact that I think a lot of horses have his kind of style, that up-close kind of pressing style, and I think it could make for more of an off-the-pace kind of type to win the Kentucky Derby. It, it will be very interesting because we, we pretty much know where, where Dortmund will be uh, so, so somewhere on up there. And then, uh, you know, now that uh, Frosted seems to have uh, changed his colors, you, you don't know. You know, a horse like him might be able to uh, take back. And uh, Carpe Diem, who I felt really uh, won the bluegrass with plenty left in the tank, uh, could be one of those slightly just off the pace horses. I mean, you, you bring you bring out a very good point. It could come down to tactics. I, I'll, I'll find very interesting to see who John Velasquez decides to ride in, in this race because right now he has a choice between materiality and, and carpe diem. So uh, it, it's it's going to be a fun couple of weeks coming up to this. I hope they all stay sound. I hope they all take the Churchill Downs, and we're set up for one great run for the Roses. Yes, and, you know, um, I think it will be interesting. And, of course, posts play a part in tactics, and, you know, jockeys and trainers and people like that look at the form, too. I think Carpe Diem has um, uh, it's a fairly versatile horse, but even the other day, you know, he was pretty much pushing Ocho, Ocho, Ocho the whole way. You know, I think the furthest he's been off the pace, if I'm going by memory here, not looking at his past performances, was probably in last year's Breeders' Cup uh, Juvenile when the pace was just furious. And even then he was only, I think, a few lengths off the pace. So he's going to be close. I think he's just a naturally aggressive horse. But I will say this, and, and certainly this is not to discredit your view on how to handicap this race because it would not... Everybody's got their own angles and stuff, but... I think these decisions for jockeys are extremely difficult, and they're often made by their agents in 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 all seriousness, you know. So, and there's a lot of politics at play. But, you know, you look over the years, there were many years that before Pat Day won the Kentucky Derby with Lily T, that he got off the wrong horse. Uh, you know, he got off uh, unbridled to ride Summer Squall in that one particular year. And, of course, Summer Squall was a very good horse in his own right who won the Preakness the year that Unbridled won the Kentucky Derby. It's, you know, it's it's a fine line distinguishing between some of these horses, and it's very tough. And, um, you know, I guess we'll, um, you know, I personally like to base my handicapping on what my opinion is, not necessarily what the jockey or the jockey's agent's opinion is. Um, provided there is an adequate substitute, you know, uh, that is in the irons. Now, do you know, does Angel Cadero still get up on some of Pletcher's horses? I think.
think so, but I, I can't say I follow. Uh, you know, they're based down in Florida through the winter, um, uh, and I'm based in Kentucky through the winter, so I, uh, I cannot tell you with absolute certainty. But for a long while, he certainly was. I don't know if that has changed with, you know, like all of us, you know, he's getting a little older, so I don't know if that has changed at all. But um, so I can't really speak to you regarding the, the dynamics of, you know, that stable. But I know I'm just he thinking was. of what an edge that would be to have your agent be Hall of Famer on Hal Cordero Jr. and he's getting up on both of these horses and finally gets off and on whatever day it is says you're going to ride blank. Yeah, and and maybe that would be, but you know, there's a lot of these other guys that are, you know, tremendously sharp agents too. I mean, the um, uh, Matt uh, Musicar, who the agent for Javier Castellano, who just set a record down at uh, Gulfstream, what did he win? I don't know, 100-plus races, and, you know, probably this for, I forget, third year in a row or something like that. Um, uh, this guy, he's six feet tall, you know? <laughs> he, he looks like, or, or more, he looks like he could play basketball, um, but he's just really sharp, and he knows his horses, and he knows, you know, these guys a lot of times. Um, um, it was often a funny story back in the day, when Pat Day was the man in Kentucky, and there was a pretty significant drop-off to the jockeys behind him, you know, it was often common that his agent would, you would, you would think you would get a call, which is the equivalent for, for the novice fan, is the equivalent of a commitment to ride your horse, but he was kind of like, not firm in his commitment, so it gave him a little bit of wiggle room if some better horse came along. So it was kind of like, oh, I, yeah, I think I can ride you. You know, it was one of those kind of deals, you know. So, uh, you know, these guys are pretty crafty, and then if something better comes along, they'll hop on it, you know. But that's the way it is when you're the the, the one that's in high demand, right? Well, and, and, and as far as I know, and correct me if I'm wrong, but at this point, Mike Smith and Gary Stevens aren't necessarily married to a specific horse. Well, let's see. Stevens is firing line, right? So I think he is. I think Stevens is pretty much on firing line, who, of course, gave Dortmund his biggest battle um, twice um, in the Los oh, yeah. Alamitos. Derby and, and another race at Santa Anita, so uh, he won the Sunland Derby by by City Block. Uh, he, he's very well, I think, entrenched there. Uh, Mike Smith rode Bolo last time, who I think right now is kind of an on-the-fence horse for the Kentucky Derby. I think a little bit will, will uh, I think they might be waiting to kind of see. The trainer's kind of hinted that she thinks Carla Gaines that she thinks he's a little better on the turf, so um, that could open things up. I mean, obviously he is just a tremendous, probably one of the best big money, big stage riders of anybody out there. And um, I know if I owned a horse that was in the Kentucky Derby and I was looking for a jockey, and let's say say it's Carpe Diem or say it's um, Materiality. Um, Boy, I would sure have Mike Smith on speed dial once once it came, <laughs> the decision came down. You know, 
Uh, I'm sure. I'm sure his agent has has Pletcher's number right there by his thumb because uh, oh, again, all, all these horses sure do stay. They have found it work well up to the Derby. In the uh, somebody's going to have to make a decision. So it'll, it'll be very interesting. I'm looking forward to that. Well, uh, I'll tell you what, uh, Byron. Let's just uh, let's, let's get into some of this week's races. I picked four. Count them four grade one races over the next two days. Uh, so uh, I'm not sure if you did your handicapping for tomorrow or not. But uh, let's start with what I feel is probably one of the most competitive uh, uh, races as far as let's play beat the favorite in the Makers 46 Mile. Now, <clears throat> I got to look at some of Keelan's races today. The weather didn't look too bad down there. Uh, so I'm guessing we'll probably be going on the turf, and might it be okay? Oh yeah, I, I, I well, I mean, the weather has been uh, highly volatile, of course, here in Kentucky um, over recent days. Uh, I believe it might rain overnight. Uh, last I heard, um, uh, but it it was largely sunshine today, and even though they called it yielding. Um, the times were very fast uh, on the turf, as it was in the Shaker Town on Saturday after you know it rained inches the day before. Right. Um, so I, I'm pretty confident, you know, Grade One race, we are not going to see any kind of change. Now in handicapping it, you know, people might want to consider horses that like a little given the ground. You know, I personally think it's in pretty good shape. So. I would look at, if I were handicapping it, I would look at good horses that have run on, like, say, good, and look at some yielding. But if a horse had a bad race on a yielding track, but some very good races, favorable races on good surfaces, I wouldn't have a problem with with backing that particular horse. And the other thing that I noticed today is, I mean, there was very few clods kicked back, very, it just really looked good. I mean, I think it kind of just soaked up that, that water and you know just really made it look really really good. Well, anyhow, in the Maker's Mark, uh, the favorite is is Summer Front. Certainly can't you know knock this horse. Uh, it's coming out of eleven straight graded races. It certainly has a great edge in class. Victor Espinosa's uh, coming in to ride. Although this horse does not carry his own track with him, he goes everywhere. But he seems to be suffering from a little bit of a case of of second itis. I believe that uh, four of his last five races, he ended up running second. Now, he, do, he does love the distance, but does this open up the door for uh, a lone speed horse long shot like uh, Arapika or uh, Za Approval? I noticed Mike Smith's going to come in with, with, with this horse. Or uh, Long on Value that had a big wake-up call in the Canadian turf last time out. Well, I personally am on... Summer front, uh, I like his chances. I think that he had a very good year last year, but he was a bit unlucky. Yeah, yeah, the occasional race he didn't show up in, but he he won the Fort Lauderdale last year at Gulfstream Park. Uh, he had one poor race in the Gulfstream Park turf, but then he was second in the Fort Marcy, second in the Shoemakers, second in the Eddie Reed, fourth in the Breeders' Cup Mile, and then most recently, he's only started this year, second in the Frank Kilroy. Now, as you mentioned, that's a number of seconds, but I think the key is when you look at him in those races, you know, um, who were those horses that he was second to? Okay. Right. Um, 
in, in, in one shoemaker, it was obviously, and obviously out in the West Coast, when he gets loose in the lead, very, very tough to beat. Uh, he was second to Tom's Tribute, who's another one of the West Coast's best milers of last year. Fourth in the Breeders' Cup mile, nothing wrong with that. I mean, that's only in a, just a brilliant race, and he was beaten ahead for third. And then last time he lost to Ring Weekend, who I think is a, is a, a budding um, turf star this year. He was a good three-year-old last year, and um, he's supposed to run in the um, Woodford Reserve <clears throat> Turf Classic, which is the the big turf race that precedes the Kentucky Derby. So, um, you know, I don't. Th- I just think this horse stands out on company kept. And while I'm all for someone trying to beat the favorite, you know, you're you're, you're looking at not only the the class here, but you're talking. He's run four straight buyer speed figures of a hundred or higher. I mean, right? This is a good horse. It's made a million dollars. I mean, I I just think he's just a really nice horse. And I think some of the others in here, you know, Za Approval is another millionaire, but he's a little off his game. He's seven years old. He's a little bit. I think he's lost a step or two over the past year or two. Um, then you have Jack Milton, who looks a little pace-dependent, a little prone to wide trips. So I, I think if you did look away from it, I, I could see you making your case for a long on value or, or one of these others, but I just think Summer Front's the real, the real deal. All right, we're with Byron King of the Daily Racing Forum. My producer's telling me i got about four minutes to pile, pile through three races. So uh, let's go to, again, this is tomorrow, Oakland Park, the grade one Apple Blossom. It looks like a, a really uh, a rematch of the Azari between champion Untappable, who was upset by gold medal dancer in the Azari. Tell me what you think about this race as quick as you can. Well, Naturally, Untappable is the most likely winner, right? But here's the thing. I think everyone will expect her to take a huge leap forward second time off the layoff. When she was beaten by a gold medal dancer last time out, I think people are going to give her the pass. She was coming off the layoff. So I think there's just no value in backing her as good as she is. So in a race that doesn't have much other depth... I'm going to try a gold medal dancer to beat her again. Well, she's on her toes. Uh, both of them uh, came out of that race with, with Bullet Works coming in here. It's going to be very interesting to, to watch that rematch. Uh, well, before we get to the Arkansas Derby as our final race, uh, you're going to be down there at Keeneland with the, the Jenny Wiley on Saturday. Uh, hard not to like. I believe won this race last year. Emotional Kitten just missed in this race last year. Who you like in here? You know, I wish I could give you a bigger price in here, but I, I like ball dancing. Ball dancing is a uh, import from overseas who has a win in two seconds and three starts in the United States. Her only start of this year, she ran second to Stephanie's Kitten in the Hillsboro, which has quickly become uh, just a fantastic prep for this particular race. It's a grade three, but it's really more like a grade two uh, in terms of its quality. So she was second in that race to Stephanie's Kitten, who I think is pretty much everyone's consensus for the top older filly and mare turf horse in the U.S. at least right now. So 
I think ball dancing is the one to beat. She also likes uh, a turf course. Uh, she can handle firm going, but she can also handle um, some given the ground as a former European. The Europeans always can. Well, uh, coming down, i got a minute left. Is It looks like the race is for place in the Arkansas Derby uh, as far as uh, American Pharaoh gets the headlines here. He does. And, you know, it, the shame is, is I just wish I could have seen this horse at some point tested um, before he came in the Kentucky Derby. But he has caught, in my opinion, just, I mean, the Rebel was a cupcake race in which he had a clear pace advantage. He had a clear pace advantage last year in the front runner. I mean, he's certainly a very good horse, but, I mean, he just lays over these horses. Um, I think far right would be the horse that I I don't see American Pharaoh losing, especially given how Bob Effort seemingly wins probably over half of his starts at Oakland Park. He's just tremendous when he ships in there. But I could see far right, a deep closer, picking up the pieces, because I think those that are chasing American Pharaoh will probably... I think what can happen to those kind of horses is they get their hearts broken chasing, you know. You, you Absolutely. Well, listen, we've been talking say, to Byron King from the Daily Racing Forum. He's located down in Kentucky, and he does know his horses from the bluegrass. Byron, hope to see you over the weekend. Thanks so much for being on Winning Ponies. John, thank you, buddy. All right, so that was Byron. I also want to thank Jay Privman. I want to thank you for listening. And like I said, we had some big scores this week with our easy win form. So get on winningponies.com and be a winner yourself. Remember, when you go to the races, bet with your head, not over it. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. We know the information from today's show will help you at the next post. Keep listening for more next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network.